It's so great to be with you. Um, each year we have a, a Warriors campaign, um, and we, this is our fourth one, where for a few weeks we get together as men and we speak about what it be, means to be um, a man desiring to, or busy being transformed into the image of Jesus. Men in the world, or rather the world tells us, or tries to teach us what it means to be a real man. And we know that that is off. And it doesn't result in genuine masculinity. So that's really what, you know, these, um, events, or events, if I can call it that, series, um, are about. And then, I haven't set the date yet, but sometime early in April, we will have the men's breakfast, uh, where we invite friends to a, to a men's talk, which is normally sort of linked w- with this. We have a strong focus this year on relationships, relationship with God, relationship with, with one another. And it really is getting back back to basics. We're going to approach it a little bit differently this year in that it's going to be very focused on just one or two things. And there isn't going to be much teaching because for most of us here, these concepts are well known. And, uh, you know, if you uh, haven't been with us that long, you'll pick up very quickly. It's really the basics of discipleship. It's reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. You know, this is going to be focused on our relationship with God, um, our relationship with one another, with the brothers in the church, and really helping each other to be more effective in, in outreach, just reaching the world and inviting men into, yeah, into God's family. Uh, I have called uh, the series Questions God Asks. Now, if you study this out a little bit, or if you want to sit down and read the Bible quickly and count the number of times that God or Jesus asks a question. You'll come up with hundreds. God asks lots of questions. Jesus, in his ministry, asked many, many questions. But we're going to be looking at three specific questions that God asks. And these are questions that God asked back then, but that God asks us now. The questions are convict. They are biting questions. They are critically important questions. But they are questions that we we need to hear, we need to listen to, and we need to respond to. Okay. So the first question that we're going to consider is, where are you? Any of you guys know where we'll find this in the Bible? Let me give you a hint. It's kind of early on. Genesis, right? Genesis where? Where are you? Who is God asking this question to? Can you remember? Adam. He's asking this of Adam. Genesis 3. Okay, a bit of background here. Um, Adam and Eve have gone against God's will. They've disobeyed God. God has given them this amazing, plentiful garden creation where everything is available to them except the fruit of one tree. Okay, Satan tempts them and convinces them to actually taste that fruit. Okay, you guys are all familiar with the story. I'm not going to go into all the detail, right? Okay, and you know, that is the first sin in the Bible, and that changed the course of human history. That changed the course of eternity. And ever since then, God has been working to restore his relationship with his people, to give his people the ability to obey him. So Adam and Eve, after after sinning, are separated from God. They hide from God. They're walking in the garden, and they hear God 
walking as well, and God asks them this. This is Genesis 3 from verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Do you think God didn't know where they were? God knows all things, right? And this is a a really interesting question. I want to just draw out three sort of aspects of this question. It's a surprising question because it's an unusual question because some people may think, why does God have to ask questions? He knows the answer. Why is he even asking this? He knows where they are physically. He knows where they are emotionally. He knows where they are spiritually. God knows all things. Now, so that's the first thing about the question. It's kind of surprising. You guys agree? Another thing about the question, though, to me, it shows that God is caring. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, their relationship with God has been broken. You know, God is now leaning forward. He is initiating. God cares deeply for his relationship with his, with his people, with mankind. So God is caring and compassionate. He wants to set things right. He wants to restore this relationship with Adam and Eve. Okay, that God is compassionate. And linked to that, God initiates. But the third thing that really gets me is that this is actually very personal. You know, it was directed to Adam in particular, because Adam answered, and we'll look just now at how he answered. But God is a personal God. He is certainly... He is busy creating a family of all nations that will be his witness, his communal witness to the world. But he is interested in having a relationship with each of us, with every person who's ever been born on earth. God is a personal God, and this is a very personal question. Okay, but let's look at how Adam answered, and I want to ask you, uh, what sort of words come to mind when you think of Adam's answer. I've shared with you some of the things that come to mind when we consider the question of God. What comes to mind when we consider the answer? Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. This is Adam. I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Now the two related questions. The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, the first question to a woman, what is it that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Okay, so the story carries on. But what words come to mind when you consider the the answer of Adam? Let's just focus on the man here. (laughs) True. Passing the buck. Towards the end of it, he certainly blames God, the woman you gave me, blames Eve. So yeah, the, the answer of Adam is shifting the blame, passing the buck. He's a very powerful answer. He's more worried about how to make him look. Exactly. You see that? Very prideful. You know, he was concerned about how he looked and he was kind of making excuses, justifying what he had done. Scared. Yeah, I think he was. Good, good point. Yeah, I think he, it's good to have a healthy fear of God, but he was, this, this, this wasn't a healthy fear of God. Yeah, good point, Peter. Any others? Wasn't, wasn't, yeah, passing the buck wasn't taking responsibility. 
Okay, so I think those are all, all great answers. He's passing the buck, um, you know, he's prideful, he's not taking responsibility, he's not remorseful. I'm pleased we never like that when God <laughs> challenges us, eh? Right? You know, that, that's the point of, of the question, and this is a question that God asks us. Now, I've, I've often said, I wish that when I prayed or if I was, you know, trying to figure out decisions and things that I need to do and the, the wisdom that I need and we all need, I've often thought, God, if you could just speak, please, I want to hear you. Or write it on the walls. <laughs> I'm not sure what to do. Just, I certainly haven't heard God's audible voice. But I do know that God is seeking me. That God wants to know where I am in relationship with Him. And I and all of you hear this voice asking us where we are. Not physically, but where we are spiritually, where we are with Him, where we are emotionally, where we are mentally. You agree with me? Okay, so this is a question that we continually get asked. Where are you? Where are you, Lavuya? Where are you, Keegan? Where are you, Dean? Where are you, Eddie? Where, where are you, Neil? Where are you, Chris? And if we're really in a relationship with God, we will hear that voice. Why? Because, because God is concerned, He's caring, He initiates, He's personal, He wants to restore relationship with us. We, we will hear the voice. We, we do hear the voice. But if we do not hear the voice audibly, how do we hear this question from God? How do we know and experience that God is concerned about where we are in our relationship with Him? What do you guys think? I think in our relationship with one another, like, you know, when someone asks you, like, how are you really doing, bro? Like, you know, that's a, where are you? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's a great, we do that for one another. We're concerned about one another. If we have the love of Christ in us, we have the love of Christ for His people in us. So we are concerned about one another. We are ambassadors of God. We are ambassadors of Christ. We stand in His place. So absolutely, we ask one another the question that God is asking us. Okay, so through our brothers and, and sisters, certainly. How else do we know where we are? What can help us know where we are? The Word, yeah. Now the Word convicts us, doesn't it? It cuts our hearts. Um, it's useful for us. If we read the Word of God properly, we will be able to assess where we are relative to God's standard. Okay, and that, how does that work? Just through our mental reading the words and doing kind of a, an assessment. That's, it's not, it's, it's heart as well. And we, we convicted. Remember, the Holy Spirit works through the Word. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit can't be separated. Jesus, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit are just all. So, if we read the Word properly, the Holy Spirit will convict us of where we, where we fall short and where we can still become more like Jesus. And that can happen in, and should happen in our, in our quiet times. In other words, just us and God. So we've got us and God, us and God's family. Any others? Nick? I'm feeling like that's a trick question when you asked Adam, where are you? But I feel like the only rational answer Adam could give is lost. Great point. Well, why is it a trick question? Isn't that, a, wouldn't that have been a good answer? Well, um, you have to give an answer. You can't say I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. What would have been, a, okay, I'm lost, but enlarge that. What would have been an honest answer from Adam? Where are you, Adam? What would, what would have been an honest answer? Another honest answer. I'm in your kingdom. I'm in the kingdom of God. Okay, but considering what had happened before this, the sin and the separation from God, maybe he's hiding from God. Nick, anyone else? What would have been a brutally honest answer from Adam at this point? Let me throw it out there. Okay, you sin would be part of the wedding which will tap into what you say. Okay. So I would I would be saying that here I am God, I want to be on a higher sin. Come on. Okay, you guys get and you can enlarge on that a bit. Where are you, Adam? Where are you, Neil? I'm hiding from you, God. I'm ashamed. You know, I've sinned, I'm Yep. I was thinking sometimes saying like I'm here. I sense, yeah. Saying like I'm here, sure. I feel like um, the the worst way you can like the worst thing to happen, even though it's the, it's the biggest temptation, is to like pull away from God. Mm. But I feel like if you're able to get yourself into a space where it's just saying like, okay, God, I'm here. It's yeah. very like for me, that's a very vulnerable place to just yeah. be honest and, and to let God know. I mean, like he he wasn't directly, I guess, letting God know. Where he was, it was funny, he didn't even oh, answer the question. Yeah. He's like, where are you? He didn't even like... That was the ducking and diving part, yeah. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to really get real with God. But Nick's right. I mean, he was there. He could have said, I, I am here. Um, but to be brutally honest, Adam Adam knew that he he had sinned and, you know, he'd messed up. And in, in, in an ideal world, I would like to think, and this is the way we should respond, is, you know, God, thank you for asking you know, thank you for initiating. I'm, I'm lost. Um, I've, I've messed up. I feel I've sure. screwed up. The relationship's gone. But yeah, you are concerned about me. Is that the response we have to one another? You know, when we when we ask that question, Neil, where are you? X, where are you? Labuya, where are you? Okay. In this series, we're going to be focusing a lot on our relationships with one another. Um. Year after year, and this has been going on for a while, really, when we ask the church, you know, what's going well, what can improve, and we do this in our family groups, um, there is one common denominator that if it's not in place in a church, and this is, I wouldn't say the common denominator, but certainly one of the things that needs to be in place for a, for a church to do well, you know, for everybody to be growing to become more like Jesus and be in outward focus, there's one thing. It needs to be in place. One of the things that needs to be in place that sadly the, all the men in this group are not experiencing. And that is discipling relationships with one another. These where are you relationships. Guys agree? And I, I know that you might think this strange because you might be in, in an awesome discipling relationship. You might think that, yeah, you know, what's Neil talking about? Oh, absolutely, I'm committed to discipling. It happens often. You know, I, I get input, I'm totally honest, I invite this question, I want my discipling partner to ask me this, it's good for me. And you might be in that kind of relationship, but the rest of us aren't, or many of us aren't. So that's what we really want to focus on in the next few weeks. And it's going to be very practical, there are going to be challenges, 
that are very doable, we simply are going to call one another to being disciples of Jesus and to embrace discipleship. I'm a man, I actually know the challenges and the temptations. I can very easily go into autopilot mode. Can you guys? You think that you should be able to solve this? I'm a man, I should, I should know how to do this. And obviously we must, there is a personal responsibility in our faith. I understand there's some decisions we need to make. But we need to also, as godly men, not conforming to the patterns of the world, which emphasizes and encourages and rewards individualism, right? not conforming to that, we need to embrace input in our lives. We need to embrace brothers and sisters asking us this question, where are you? I'm concerned about you. You seem to be hiding. You, you, you're not around. How can I help? You get it? So this evening, um, I've asked two brothers to share uh, just about their discipling relationship. I hold these brothers up as embracing discipleship. They are both extremely humble brothers, not only towards one another, but to other people in the church. I know them both well. I've interacted with them. I'm not saying that they're the only discipling pair, whatever, brothers in the church, but I do want us to hear from them just practically how their times go, how they help one another, and uh, any, any sort of encourage you, any other encouragement you can give to us this evening will be much appreciated. So I'm going to ask Levuyu and Jarette to come up and share with us. Okay. I'm going to wire you guys up. Okay. Just don't confess too much, Bats. I'm loud enough. Yeah, no, believe me, you can stand in the corner, we'll pick up this man. <laughs> Amen. Cool. Go for it. I'll edit all the nonsense. <laughs> okay. Thank Great you, stuff. <clears throat> Thanks, Neil. Um, if it's okay, guys, can we just take two seconds just to pray? Uh, glorious Father God, it is a, a privilege, Lord, to be together as men tonight. Thank you so much for uh, just really gathering us, guys, for such a high, high very, very high purpose, Father mm. God. Thank you so much for... Uh, just the, the humility, uh, Father, just the, the, the heart of service, Father, in this room. Thank you so much that we're here, Father, willing to hear and, and, and learn, God, how it is that Jesus did it with his yeah. disciples, God, the first couple of men, yeah. God, later women, yeah. that he called to follow him and what that looked like, Father. Wow. We, we're on this really amazing journey, God, with one another, where we are uh, often, Father, weekly, if not on a daily basis, called, God, mm. to, to really submit to one another, Father, as we learn from each other and as we teach each other, God, how how to be followers of you, guided obviously by your scriptures, your word, and the counsel, Father, of those walking ahead of us. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, that Jared and I get to share, Father. We mm. certainly uh, cannot stand and claim that we've got it figured mm. out, Father. We're just merely just trying to implement uh, what, you, what you're teaching yeah. us, God. It's a privilege for, to share, God. I know, as Neil mentioned, uh, there are some of us, again, um, in this room, God, that have uh, great relationships, God, but how is it that you want us uh, to interact in, in, in the way that we disciple each other? Thank you again. Help us just to be humble, God, in how we share and just give us wisdom how to best present, uh, Father, what you've given us. It is a blessing from you. We receive and we thank you. All of this in your glorious hands name, Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Before I get all charismatic on you guys, yeah. Um, uh, well, we didn't really plan how this is going to go, so Jared, you're just going to have to. Yeah. <laughs>
Swat in. Um, I think when when uh, when Neil mentioned that he'd be asking us to share tonight, one of the things I was thinking about is is okay. What do you say? Uh, what motivates me? What encourages me to to seek discipling? I think first maybe I should say upfront that uh, with maybe some of you I don't seek it as well. You know, I think there are some of you that I should be more, a bit more connected with. But um, uh, Jared and I, we've got something that we've been working on for a while. And I think tonight we'll be sharing um, uh, what and how it works. I think the scripture that comes to mind is Proverbs... Uh, I think it's Proverbs 6, 15. I'm not too sure. But it reads something like um, a full... Uh, thinks that his way is right, and but the man of humility seeks advice or something like that. But I think um, following Jesus is not something that I was born into. I think most of us went. Um, if I can take one one quick step back, I think those of us that have studied some form of I don't know qualification, you your degree in something, what that has taken is upward of 40 weeks of contact with lecturers, uh, with people that are experts in the field and that know more on particular topics that we cover to be able to complete your degree. And that takes a minimum of three years for some of us, four, depending how far you want to go at a time. What that What that means is that that just gives you the base to be able to function when you start working within the field in which you're trained. So none of us just, you don't choose, I mean, I'm, I want to be an engineer and you walk into engineering and you bounce from job to job and then, <laughs> you, you know, you, there is definite journey that we take, you know, for good two, three years, depending on the course and how it's structured, where you are trained how to do this. So how I think of discipleship is, how how can I best become the disciple Jesus has called me to be? Because I've never learned this before, anyway. So it means I have to learn this from somebody. Teachers, I mean, the Bible teaches us, but how do we practice it? So I think um, between myself and Jared um, and our wives sometimes and <laughs> Kanye's family... Yeah. There's all kinds of relationships here. But I think um, between myself and Jared, first of all, I'm older than Jared. Can I just claim that? <laughs> I've been married a bit longer than he has. But the amazing thing is I learned so much from Jared. Um, biblical truths. How to study and read the Bible. And some of the Bible studies that we've done together, how to study the Bible with people. And I've asked advice from him. Man, we're going to meet with Ubuntu or wherever. You know, this is where we are. Any thoughts on it? Uh, you know, he, 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 he usually, in a very humble way, provides guidance, uh, input on, in terms of how to do that. So what, what, what basically our relationship, what it consists of is... Definitely, for me at least, there's there's a trust that I don't know how to describe it mm-hmm. that allows Jerez and myself to really talk real. Mm-hmm. Guys, we can we can talk up here, yeah. but we can go deep as well. Yeah. But I know for most of us, 
deep can be very uncomfortable because we have to open up and expose ourselves or parts of ourselves that we are not really happy doing so. And and it 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 for a time it almost feels preferable to stay up here. And that way we never really, really disciple each other. If there are certain things we can't talk about, if there are certain things we can't go to, we don't meet and talk about whether, you know, we well, soccer or whatever. <laughs> I don't even remember. I don't even know what. I know you like soccer, but we, we really just don't go into that. We talk about how are we doing in our walk with God? How are you doing in your marriage with Shimre? How, how am I doing with my wife? Uh, I think one of the things, one of the things I'm grateful for is I might be old in years in terms of, uh, well, age, older than Charette, but um, I actually, how do I phrase this? That, that really has no bearing in the way our relationship is. Yeah. I don't feel like now there's things I can't say to Charette because... Ah, he's, he's young. I think for his age, he's very mature as a disciple. He's very knowledgeable. I think we all know Jarrett in that sense. And I, I can ask advice about just about anything and not feel like, hey, this young guy, you know, how am I going to look now in his eyes? How is he going to view me now, you know, if we talk about this? So before I waffle too much, I think one of the valuable things I appreciate about that it it makes discipleship for me very real. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it's an act. I don't know, we were talking in our leadership group that sometimes we can put on an act mm-hmm. at church. It's easy to put on an act at church. Mm-hmm. It's easy to look the part, even talk the part. What really counts is how we live. Yeah. And how we live is shown by who we spend time with, how we're spending our time. What do we do when we spend that time? One of the greatest things that my friendship uh, with Charette has done for me personally, it has challenged me in the area of mean mission, of being mission-minded. Mm-hmm. I have been out to lunch on that one, guys, for a very long time. Not that I don't think about it, not that here and there I don't have a conversation, but just the, the conviction of living it out as I go every day. Not that it's something I think about. I haven't ever visited a church in a while on a Sunday. But I'm learning from him, seeing his walk with God, his passion for God, and his mission for God. I'm learning to imitate that from him. And uh, lastly, or for me, what is it? Conviction? I was listening to uh, one of my one of the guys I like to listen to now, on on on, um, he was he was defining the difference between a conviction and an opinion. I really like the way he phrased it. We may hold an opinion that um, discipling relationships between each other is a good thing. It has benefits. You know, we could grow from it or whatever. It's different from from when we are convicted about it. So an opinion is something that you hold with more information, change in views, so could the opinion change. But a conviction is that which holds you. 
There's a difference there. So you can't flip-flop around that one. When you have a conviction about something, it's not easy to have a different view about that. The same things the next day. Yeah. I hope that you guys make that. So I think uh, having um, having had this uh, discipling relationship with Jared for a while, I think one of the things that we did, thanks to him in his fossil ways, sometimes <laughs> he feels like, oh no, whatever. But I appreciate that because he actually, if I'll be honest with you, initiated it with myself and my wife. Mm-hmm. And he insisted that he's at our place every week on a particular day. I think it was a Tuesday. And we were kind of like, okay, sure, we'll see how it goes. You know, things sometimes they start like this, and then naturally they go down like this. Jared was there every Tuesday from the time we made that agreement up until he returned to the States to complete his studies. When he got back, I think we were already speaking before you got back. Okay, which day is going to be suitable? (laughs) So we, I think we... Set, settled on Monday, Monday yeah. and Shima was going to move down. We've kept it from then. Mm-hmm. There's been times when we, I haven't been doing well spiritually. I want to duck. I want to, you know, now it's business and this and that. And he's like, we're committed. We're there. <laughs> and one of the things that I'm honest with you guys has made all the difference for me personally oh. is not having room to be able to wiggle out of it. And I appreciate that, Jarrett, and I don't think I've ever thought. I really appreciate that. To an extent, now, I can't see a week where we go, that appointment is not there. Because one of the things it does for me, it just sets my mind for the week. That, you know, when we touch base and we go into these deep, well not, yeah, deep, yeah, spiritual things, you know, it helps me going into the week. Uh, Those jobs, jobs. Thanks, Mister Thank you. Ah, why are you leaving me hanging here? <laughs> away, away. Um, yeah. I think when it comes to information, we all kind of know what it is, what it looks like, what it should be. So I feel like what the Holy Spirit puts in my heart right now is just to share a couple of stories that kind of give context to our relationship. So back in 2015, Shawnee and Lindsay were my disciples. And if you don't know Shawnee and Lindsay, they were the people that were leading campus ministry at that time. And I was uh, their intern. I was working alongside them. But they discipled me. At that year, they had a baby girl. And that baby girl obviously brought a lot of changes and a lot of dynamics happened which meant that I couldn't see them very often. And because I couldn't see them very often, I felt myself in like deep need. I was struggling with things. I was having a lot of questions and a lot of thoughts. And I didn't know where else to go to have that kind of input in my life. And then as the year went by, I kept praying for God to kind of like open up for me. And then I was placed in the family group with Luvuyo and Sanda back in 2015. Um, and then during that time, I observed maybe... Two, three weeks, I observed, I observed, I observed. And when I observed the way that they handled their marriage, when I observed the way that they led the family group, when I observed the way that they like took care of their kids, the way that they handled themselves in almost every sphere, I looked at them and I said a prayer. Very short one, but very meaningful one. And I told God, I want them to disciple me. And I said this, and I promise you, like, it blows my mind to this day. I don't know what got into my head, but I said at that time when I saw them, um, I was here at church and I was looking at them and I was like, God, I want them to become my parents and I want to be their son. 
I want their kids to feel like my siblings, and I want their siblings to look at me like a brother, like the kids to look at me like a brother. That's how close I want to get. God just kind of put it in my heart. The very next thing that I do that Sunday is like, hey, when can we spend time? I would love to spend time with you and your wife. And they're like, oh, I think we're free on Tuesday. They had no idea what they were getting into. <laughs> and, and here's the thing, like as a younger person, and I think this is where we kind of like, I need to speak. I never saw Luvuyo as a discipling relationship. I saw Luvuyo as my discipler. I was looking up. <laughs> so in my understanding, and I know it's wrong, and I'm still trying to repent out of it, <laughs> that it goes side by side. And I get that in my discipling relationship, I was getting input from him. I was not there to offer anything. I didn't think I had anything to offer. How am I going to talk about marriage? How am I going to talk about parenting? I'm like, all I can do is just share the little bit that I know of God, but I just wanted to learn. So what I saw at that time was I saw my disciples, Luvuyo and Sandra, somebody that I was going to learn from. And what I did from there on was like after that night, we had a meal, we talked, I shared a couple of things. And then I was like, can we do this again? They were like, yeah, one day we'll do it. And I was like, no, can we do it next week? (laughs) And I went there next week. And then I said, can we do it again? And they were like, yeah, we can do it again. Can we do it next week? And then by the third, fourth time, they kind of realized like this guy's not going anywhere. (laughs) And, and, And let me encourage you with that if you have a discipling relationship with somebody that is older than you or has been a disciple for longer you seek after it don't wait for the 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 guy who's older and has been around to come and be like hey when are we spending time no you seek after if you want to learn from somebody you have to make the effort put on all of the effort and be like hey i gotta seek after this and, and that's, that's the thing that I learned. I, I was so intentional about it that I remember very vividly, you remember about that night, uh, Mfundo and Fesi, our good friends of Luvuya and Sanda were coming into town Tuesday night and they called me and they, well actually they didn't call me, they sent me a message and said, Jared, I'm so sorry, these guys came into town, we didn't expect them, they're really good friends, we're gonna spend the evening with them, I don't think we can make discipling tonight. And I was like, cool. Uh, we meet at 6, 6.30, so I waited until 7.30 and then I drove to their house <laughs> and I rocked up and I don't think that works with everybody so don't necessarily imitate this but it worked with them I got to meet Mfundo and Fesi great friends of theirs and I got to spend the rest of the evening and I still got the discipling time I was so unrelenting about it because I was in such need I needed the input. I was struggling with sin. I was struggling with questions. I was struggling with my faith. So I couldn't give room for the devil to make me go even further by myself. So because of that, I was so, so intentional. And Sanda told me that night, Jared, you know what? Thank you for coming either way. Even though I told you you shouldn't come, thank you for coming because that shows me that you're family and that you're starting to see us as family and not as an appointment or as a schedule thing, but you're just coming. So, so that kind of changed then the dynamics of it. Another story um, that hopefully will help. Well, let me let me say another thing. Sorry, quality time and quantity time are not separate things. So many times we think that you know what I'm going to spend this one hour with this brother and it's going to be quality time. And amen, it could be, but quality time only happens inside of quantity time. So if you want to get deep and real with your brothers. Start meeting with them regularly. You can't expect that every once a quarter or every once every two months, you're going to have that two hour session and boom, it's going to be great and you're going to get so deep and real. It's awkward. It's awkward to talk about your mess with somebody that doesn't 
know what's been going on the past two months. You first have to catch up before you can start even getting real. So, so that leads me into my second story. Um, I'm recording. I was about to get very open. And we'll edit it out. Okay. Being full disclosure here. Very, very, very full disclosure. Shimwe and I didn't do well in our purity in the first part of our relationship. We didn't have a good standard and I thought I had it together. I thought I knew what I was going to do. Like, yeah, the line is there. I'm not going to cross it. I'm just going to get very, very close. And, and I was hiding that obviously <laughs> because I knew what Lubuyo and Sanda would say. Um, and it, it was, it was something that Shimwe and I wrestled with for long because we were not being open. So there was a defining moment that changed our relationship with Lubuyo and Sanda and that changed my relationship with Shimwe. Can you guess what that moment is? Discipling when I became fully open. And it was not Lubuyo who was like, Jared, are you guys doing okay? I see that it was me who couldn't hold it anymore. And I had to come in. And I remember we were sitting in the room, we were on our knees, and I was crying my face off because I said every single thing that I ever did in my relationship with Shimwe and in general in my struggle with lust and purity. It was like it was the most vulnerable and raw I could have ever been. I, I was not holding like, I was not sugarcoating it like, yeah, we're struggling with purity. Yeah, I think we, we, we kissed one night and yeah, I know it's bad. No, it was like, this is where my hand was. This is where my mind was. This is where her body was. This is what I was doing. This is how I pursued it. This is ev- every single thing. And not just of that, but of everything, of everything else in my life. I just went fully, fully open. I, I didn't hold a single thing. I think I went as back as like when I was like 11 years old. And I started just sharing like the, the first time that I masturbated and the first thing and every single thing. And I didn't do that only once. I did that several times. I think of three specific times that I was really that open with Luvuyo. Three specific times that changed our dynamic forever. Being that open. Vulnerability built intimacy. You want to get close to your brothers? Get real. As real and as specific as you need to. And I've said this to guys who struggle with purity in their relationships and I'm going to say it again if you ever are dating or think about dating. If you want to overcome purity, be as graphic as you need to be. Because the more and more you conceal it, it's, it's going to keep biting. And Luvuyo and Sanda told us that long ago. But it was only until the moment that I was like that open and real that I was able to overcome it. Um, the last little thing that I would say, and I think this has been really awesome, and maybe it's my sinful attitude, but I think up until I got married... I still kept on seeing Luvuyo and Sanda as like up there and me as like down here when I was, I needed to learn from them. And they helped us a lot in our dating. They helped us a lot in our counseling with Neil and Olin and alongside Jason and Zoe who also helped us a lot. But then when we got married, um, there was like a dynamic shift. And then Luvuyo and Sanda started being a lot more open with us that I was like, whoa, <laughs> so all of that been cooking? <laughs> like I, and it was, it was hard because as 
as a younger person, like it was a bit like, whoa, like all of that is going on. And, and I, I, it was hard to kind of like realize like the change in dynamic, but it was so cool because it started feeling like a partnership in a very weird, but really cool way. And it opened a whole new dynamic in our rela- uh, discipling relationship. So if I could say it in a, in a better way is me being open with Luvuyo helped me out so much in my relationship, in my walk with the Lord. But him being so open with me, which I never asked, helped me in my relationship and walk with them. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, and that that has been super, super cool in the last eight months to be walking alongside them and them being as real and as open as like, like ever. It, it has blown my mind. And now Luvuyo and I have gotten to a point where, man where the things that I'm so ashamed of saying out loud that I think, not even things that I do, but things that I think, now we're able to share in that level. Things about marriage that that I'm not a, like proud of saying, things that I don't want to say right now because it's, it's really like, did I really think that? Did that thought really cross my mind? Did I, am I that selfish? Am I that prideful? Am I that lustful? Am I that arrogant? Those kinds of things. But because the dynamic and the relationship with Luvuyo has evolved so, so much, it feels like we're in a place where we can be so brutally honest with each other and we're going to be welcomed with love and grace, but we're going to be challenged with truth. Um, and it's been really cool that since the beginning of the year, Luvuyo and I have been on this challenge that we're doing together and how to become better husbands to our wives. And it's been really cool because that keeps us daily accountable. We keep in check. We call on the phone, be like, did you check it out this morning? Did you do what you were supposed to do? And it's, it's keep, it keeps getting closer and closer and closer and closer together. Um, it's been cool doing Bible studies with him. I learn a lot from him. I learn a lot from the way he does things. Um, it's been really cool to meet with them very consistently. That helps me as well. Um, and I don't think Luvuyo would want me to say this, but he is such a, he's such an incredible husband. And the best learning that I have, he's such an incredible father. He's such an incredible disciple. The best learning that I do from him is not from what he says to me. It's from, it's from what I see. So if you are in a discipling relationship, observe. But how are you going to observe if you're not consistently getting together? So, so that's, that's the thing. I, I, we're there every Monday and then they, they have a fight and we're right there and it's a bit awkward and you're like, what's going to happen now? And then we see the way they resolve conflict and we're like, okay, well, that's different. That's interesting. And I check his humility and I check his character and I check how he's willing to say sorry or I check when he struggles. And he's like, I don't want to. And not, not just when people, when they have a fight, but in, in anything, like, I just observe and observe. Like, I pay so much attention. Like, um, I think last week I, I was having a hard thing in my heart and I just shared with him and I sent him a message. I'm like, how are you doing? Because it was something that we were going through to, to, together. And his response was like, God deserves the best and God's people deserve the best. So we need to give the best. And I was like, you. Like I was being vulnerable so that I could feel better when you're vulnerable with me and we're both struggling together. But he had it together and that was a teaching moment. He was not even trying to teach me. He was just telling me where he was at. So like it was just, man, observe, 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 observe. 
Do life together, spend quality and quantity time together, and be real. If I can give you those three things, Mm -hmm. be real, observe, and spend a lot of time together, your discipling relationships with the men in this room are going to change. All right. Amen. Don't you appreciate these guys so much? Your... Imagine. Bro, come here, man. I saw this. Can you I've just, I've just got to welcome this brother back. <laughs> he's, he's put on some muscles, isn't he? Come on. <laughs> no, I just wanted to welcome you back, man. Thank you. Awesome. Great haircut, man. Hobby <laughs> style. <laughs> Wonderful. Imagine. Imagine if every one of us. Oh, you're done. Oh wow. Imagine if every one of us was in that kind of relationship. And that imagine if any one of us had been in that kind of relationship for five years, how our lives would be different. Guys get it? It's inspiring guys. Thank you so much. And what they didn't mention, they spoke about their relationship with one another, is that both of them seek out input from other people. You know, if if there's a marriage or a man or, or situation that Tourette believes he can learn from. He will make time with that person. And Labuyu is, is the same as well. So I think that is a great example for us. I am challenged big time. I'm inspired by you guys. But I have a vision of what this church would look like, what the men in this church would look like, what the marriages would look like, how we would prioritize our time if we were all in this kind of discipling relationship. Amen. So here's the challenge for the the week. If you're in a discipling relationship, and at least um, formally we all are, this week, get with your discipling partner and ask that question of him. Where are you? And be brutally honest when you ask that question. And then you get the chance to ask, where are you, brother? Okay. In the next week. We good? We're going to accept the challenge? It's going to be awesome, hey? Great. I think we should end there, don't you?